0: And use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, daily fantasy sports made easy.
1: Whether you're buying a new car, a used car, or refinancing your current car, FedChoice Federal Credit Union could help save you money. FedChoice makes buying a car so easy that you can do everything right from your smartphone or on a computer. Become a member today and you can take advantage of their great rates and financing options. Find out more at FedChoice.org. That's FedChoice.org. Membership open to federal employees, including contractors and their families. FedChoice Federal Credit Union, insured by NCUA. From the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., you are on the Hill. Tom Newman is a scientist with the NASA, National Aeronautics and Space Administration, based at the uh, Goddard uh, Space Flight Center at uh, Greenbelt, Maryland. And he is uh, our guest this time on the Hill. Uh, Tom, I wanted to talk to you about climate change, uh, because obviously with what's been going on the last couple of weeks as we record this right now, uh, Hurricane Dorian has made its way from basically sitting over, the Northern Bahamas as a Category 5 to moving its way up the east coast of the United States and uh, in through areas of Canada as we speak right now, but NASA, you know, most people think about NASA as rockets and astronauts and moon landings, and that's all appropriate, but you do a lot of work on on climate change as well.
2: Yeah, and earth science more broadly. Up at the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, uh, we have the largest collection of earth scientists anywhere in the country. Um, studying things like hurricanes, uh, forest fires, um, and my particular background being the Arctic and Antarctic polar regions. You've been there? I've been both up to Greenland as well as Antarctica several times. So in your, in your
1: time going there, what's the first thing you tell people about what's going on
2: in the Arctic ice loss and, and, and how real that is right now? Right, and so occasionally people will say, so have you seen it? You know, can you see it visually? Um, and the answer is yes. I first went in 2006 to Greenland, and areas around the coast, some of those glaciers, outlet glaciers, have been thinning by meters per year. And so a meter being three feet, so you're talking three, four meters in some cases, uh, it's totally apparent. You fly over a glacier that you had been visiting for the last five, six years, and you, you just see it wasting away. Uh, Antarctic changes are a little more subtle because that place is so big, Antarctica being the size of the US and Mexico combined. So it really depends where you're looking. And I tend to, my projects take me to more towards the center uh, of the ice sheet rather than the edges where the changes are most obvious in Antarctica.
1: One of the things that people who are climate deniers have said is that, uh, well, this is uh, secular, but these are cycles Mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, mankind is now studying uh, these things in our modern age, but we do not know uh, had
2: uh, this been part of a previous uh, incarnation. The science
1: doesn't say that though, does it?
2: it? It really doesn't and yes, the Earth has changed massively over the existence of the Earth the last 4 billion years which is an extremely long time uh, however, with uh, more and more data that we've been collecting we're able to test uh, whether changes in the sun are the main cause for, for the observed changes or changes in volcanic output and you do those kind of studies of sensitivities and analyses and what you end up finding is that it's uh, human activity is, is the, the smoking gun. It's, you can't explain what we're seeing now without that input.
1: Uh, for years, people have been under the impression that it was the ozone layer being depleted. And a lot of this was, uh, you know, literally fueled mm-hmm. by the sun. But, um, it, it appears that, you know, the call is coming from inside the house at some point that, <laughs> that, uh, you know, a lot of what we're dealing right now is, is just, you know, man-made, generated practices that is, that is
2: leading to this in our atmosphere. That's right. And, and one of the ways, uh, two, two aspects that really help us pin that down. Uh, one is better observations. So agencies like NASA or NOAA uh, or the USGS with satellite data. Uh, of many different kinds of measurements. So you can measure changes in air temperature, ocean temperature, wind speed, ice loss, all of that sort of thing. And the second piece is modeling. Uh, Computers, as you well know, have gotten so much faster and more powerful that you really can now run coupled models of the earth, ocean, atmosphere, ice system uh, to watch how those, and model how those uh, different aspects interact with each other. You can't just study ocean without considering the atmosphere, and you can't just study ice sheets without thinking about the ocean. So those two pieces, really good measurements and super capable models, allow you to twist that knob to say, well, let's just look at solar changes, or let's just look at this piece or that piece. And what you end up finding is the human input uh, is the the key component.
1: I I would think somebody who works at NASA by nature is an environmentalist. Is that a fair point because you you do study planets you do study you know um uh, uh, astronomical systems it is part of nature
2: it, it is part of nature and so i think uh in general uh that yes people who work in the earth sciences are are uh, aware of and sensitive to changes happening in the earth system although take nasa goddard for example it's mm-hmm. a community of almost 10,000 people uh, who work there every day uh, that span the whole spectrum of of uh, political points of view or or backgrounds or that sort of thing. It's really a village.
1: Is it is it different in respect to what you do though because if you're studying interplanetary systems mm. whether it be Mars or or the Jupiter sun. or the sun mm. you know interesting and we learn things from there especially with the sun if it has a very big effect on us but you've got skin in the game when you're studying planet earth is is it a little bit different for an earth scientist nasa scientist as it is for maybe somebody who's you know studying another planet
2: yeah so as an earth scientist of course i'm biased that way then i'm like yes of course my science is the most interesting science out there otherwise mm. i wouldn't be doing it so mm. i'm an ice sheet guy by training so even even among different aspects of earth science naturally it's the ice sheets that are mm. really the key thing uh, and there is a friendly rivalry about about uh, the different sciences. Although, uh, to be fair, you have some mission like the Hubble Space Telescope that's mm-hmm. done such amazing work yeah. over, what, uh, coming up in 30 years now that it's been on orbit and collecting data? Uh, and that's that's really mm-hmm. impressive. So we get back to what's
1: going on in the Arctic right now. You've sure. seen the, the ice melt that's going on mm-hmm. there. Um, we know that that leads to rising sea levels. Mm-hmm. And we know... That when a hurricane comes, like we just saw in Dorian, it feels to a lot of folks like these devastating storms have increased in over the past two decades.
2: It, it, does the science back up those feelings. You know, from a statistical standpoint, absolutely. There are, have been more category five hurricanes in the in the last few years than we had observed previously. Uh, the frequency of those are increasing. And there's, there's two different kinds of changes happening in the Arctic, both of which are relevant here. One is the rising sea level, and that's due to loss of ice that's sitting on rock. Mm-hmm. Places like the Greenland ice sheet or the Antarctic ice sheet, as they warm up and melt, that water goes back to the ocean, sea levels increase, and that does impact things like storm surge or, or the damage you get. Uh, the second change is the change in sea ice cover sea ice being frozen ocean water it's already floating in the ocean it doesn't change Mm -hmm. sea levels but as you lose that sea ice it changes the energy balance in the arctic so you take off the relatively reflective sea ice that bounce a lot of the sun's energy off to space and instead all that solar energy goes right into warming the ocean warming the atmosphere
1: so when we have these hurricanes and the seas are at higher levels Mm -hmm. than they were is that a contributing factor to the kind of destruction we see?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the uh, warmer ocean and atmosphere, it, due in part to the loss of the Arctic sea ice cover, makes those storms more energetic. So not only do you have higher storm surge, but you also have more energetic storms. So you get got those two pieces working together that, that uh, make these more destructive than they have been in the past.
1: So uh, not to drag you into a political conversation, but this is a political podcast. One of the <laughs> Democratic... Um, candidates for president Andrew Yang had made climate change a, a very big part of his mm-hmm. uh, his appeal to voters you know former governor Jay Inslee, who was also right. in the race has dropped out but a lot of Inslee's uh, proposals have been adopted now by by other candidates Yang said something interesting this week was that we are perhaps 10 years too late to this fight and while that you know might have been his honest assessment of it I, I wondered whether or not that may be doing more damage to the argument for paying attention to climate change than, than not. Um, but is he right?
2: Or are we too late to this? You know, the real opportunity to stop this in its tracks probably was 10 or more years ago. Uh, an analogy you could look to would be things like the ozone hole and ozone depletion due to uh, uh, aerosols and chlorofluorocarbons carbons from the 80s. And that's something they were able to take political and economic action to change uh, and although it's taken the uh, ozone hole many decades to recover since just due to the residence time of some of those species in the atmosphere eventually that political action does turn the turn the ship uh, and the ozone hole will recover through time if we stay on the course we are. For climate change it would have been easier to slow things down and reverse them decades ago. So
1: I want you to repeat what you just said. Mm-hmm. So the ozone hole could replenish itself, could be fixed, so this yeah. is not Al to complete. we could make changes that would affect a positive outcome. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So we're
1: not just riding a roller coaster down to the bottom of the hill.
2: Here. You know, some people think so um, because of the the lack of change in our own behavior so far. They say, well, look, we've known about this and known great detail on it since the uh, depending where you start from, maybe the mid 90s, maybe the early 2000s. And they say, look, we've done nothing. In fact, we're at our worst case emission scenarios and it just continues. So uh, thinking that all of a sudden we're all gonna change or or the situation will change is crazy. We are on a roller coaster. Other people would say, um, and I tend to be one of the more optimists that although uh, the political system, economic system, socioeconomic systems are big, complex and change slowly, uh, that change is possible. We've seen it before uh, and that although uh, we have lost a lot of uh, a lot of ice and and warmer temperatures globally and weirder weather than we're used to. It, I don't think it's impossible to uh, both slow down and ultimately reverse the effects that we've seen. I think one of the reasons
1: it's so interesting to hear someone from NASA speak about this is because mm-hmm. you know very often in, in the news we'll say post Hurricane Dorian we'll have a satellite image mm-hmm. that NASA will put out of a before and after. Sure. And for whatever reason, you know, even though we have all this video and we have these cell phones and everything, uh, those images always seem to kind of make people rear back of their seats and go, wow,
2: you know, from the vantage point of space, you get such a different view of things. You get that broad scale that, that you really can't get from, uh, the on the ground interview with, with, uh, homeowners perhaps, or business owners who's, uh, who have been m- impacted by hurricanes. You take a step back and from the view of say the space station or other orbiting satellites, and you you get a, f- a real good picture, a different feel for just the scope, the scale uh, in space, and uh, an intensity.
1: Is there another planet that we're heading towards right now? As far as if we don't, if we don't do
2: something about this, you know, you look back through the geologic record, and I say because this, we are in a neighborhood here. Uh, right? Yeah. Uh, ice ages do come and go, and those have a huge impact on sea level, hundreds and hundreds of feet. Um, so we can look back uh, several hundred thousand years to, to uh, see a time when the earth was as warm as we're becoming. Of course, as you get that far back, it gets harder and harder to say with certainty what, what was a summer day like uh, then. But we do know the earth has been through these, these uh, warm periods before, uh, but never with uh, the rate of change that we're currently seeing. Um, and uh, it remains to be seen how warm we ultimately do get. How do you uh, how do you deal with uh, climate deniers?
1: Because I'm sure you've been in situations or uh, you've had people, you know, deny science, and yeah. it's almost sometimes Im- impossible for a lot of folks to convince something
2: that they are convinced of. That's right. It and for a lot of folks, it's not an argument that can be. Uh, can be one, if you will, or or persuade somebody with numbers, right? Mm-hmm. It's like more data isn't necessarily going to change their their opinion on things. Um, so it's not really a, a quantitative uh, scientific argument. That is it visual? Might have. Uh, perhaps visual. Sometimes uh, uh, it's just change. It's different. Uh, change is scary, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so it's more uh, psychological that way rather than uh, rather than quantitative. What I do tell people is is that uh, the data is there. Uh, the science is there, and if you choose not to uh, either choose not to understand it, willful ignorance, if you will, or choose to ignore it, you totally can. Um, but I do remind them that there's so many other ways in their own lives that science uh, is something they, they do believe in uh, and that they, they see all the time. For example, the, the computers here on the desk, it's like, well, hmm. I don't believe in whatever, but you believe in electrical engineering and electrons flowing through and making the screen glow yeah it's like you're okay with that but you're not okay with the change in energy balance it's like well all right that's 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 you (laughs) and
1: is it like and you if you've been in these conversations is it because that there is a a a personal environmental aspect to when people talk about you know the weather or the climate Mm. and maybe not
2: so much you know when they flip on their television or or some inanimate object yeah hard hard to say i think for lots of people it's different things um change is scary and so if if uh it's easy for me as a NASA scientist who's been working on this for a while to say, you know, we should all ride our bikes more. Well, Midwest, I
1: think you hit on something there because mm-hmm. I, when you say scary, and, and, and it is, I think, a, a, a defense mechanism for a lot of people mm-hmm. to how they deal with information that they find frightening mm-hmm. and might not necessarily understand, or even even more concerning, understand how to stop it. Sure. So That's a maybe a ask. national inclination is to, yeah put your hands over your ears and say it's not
2: happening. You know, and, and I'll go back to that example of, of the ozone hole that uh, asking uh, people in, let's say, the Maryland area to, you need to come up with a solution to the ozone hole and you need to work on fixing it. It's like, well, that's, that's not really, that's not going to get anything done except scare people. Um, however, mm-hmm. working with uh, scientists, engineers, policymakers, to come up with uh, ways to mitigate that. In that case, it was stuff like refrigerants. Say, well, we can, we can design other ways of keeping food cold. We don't have to use this particular chemical that we know is having a uh, negative impact mm-hmm. uh, globally. And so, for somebody buying a refrigerator, maybe they see a change in, in price, which is sometimes difficult to, to deal yeah. with. How many years have you been at NASA now? I've been at NASA, uh, oh gosh, coming up on 11 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how did you get into this? Kind of work. I got into did this work when I was in college. I was a junior uh, in college, trying to figure out what my major was going to be. I'm like, oh goodness, I got to graduate pretty soon. What, what on earth? <laughs> that, so is, it, that is a, that is a conversation <laughs> I think every college student has with their support. <laughs> like, oh no, eventually I'm not going to be able to. be I'm here. not going to be able to keep yeah. doing this anymore. It's way too expensive. And I, I sat and thought about what uh, classes I really enjoyed and was motivated by and interested in, uh, and I realized it was uh, things like math. Mm -hmm. Um, physics chemistry and i had had a few classes in the earth sciences that i thought were just fascinating so i went to talk to my undergrad advisor and he said you you can put off making serious life decisions by going to graduate school they'll pay you to keep doing this and so i went to the university of washington um and yeah got into studying glaciers and ice sheets how they form how they move uh what information you you can get from them that was back in the in the 90s uh, so I've been in this line of work in one form or another for yeah close to thirty years now.
1: So you know there you there you are in the nineties. Mm. Uh, environmental subjects were were I would say you know discussed and talked about, but not quite in the same way about climate change as they are now. When do, do you feel that this started to change and 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 climate change really did start to take off for for me? Mm. I would say when I really first started to, to hear more about this and hear about it more regularly was when Al Gore had come out, the former vice president, with his uh, documentary yeah. regarding uh, climate change.
2: And that was, do you recall what year that would have been? 2000. Probably
1: put this in the early 2000s. Early yeah. two thousand somewhere.
2: Yeah. yeah. When when I got into uh, the field of ice sheets and glaciers and that sort of thing. Um, Inconvenient truth. was the, Inconvenient yeah. truth. That's right. Uh, It wasn't nearly as popular as it is now. There were only a handful of universities in the U.S. that were involved in that kind of work. Um, But yeah, in the early 2000s, there became more and more and more momentum and interest in polar topics, climate change among them, uh, and you started to see many more job postings for for faculty where universities wanted to uh, support and get involved in that kind of research uh, such that by the by the early 2000s, 2004, 2005, um, there were so many opportunities for uh, new uh, PhDs like myself mm. uh, to, uh, to get involved in that. Whereas before, in the mid-90s, there'd be a job open every year or two and it'd be three and you and three of your closest friends all applying yeah. for the same job because <laughs> there were so few of them. But yeah, it's really uh, grown into the public consciousness over the last yeah, 20 years or so.
1: So how do you wind up in NASA?
2: So no kidding. There I was, I was at uh, university of Vermont, uh, doing research and teaching, uh, in places, uh, research in places like Greenland and Antarctica. And no kidding. One day my phone rang and they said, Hey, you know, we've got this new satellite program starting. Did you see our job ad about it? And I was happy enough where it was. And I was like, uh, yeah, sure I did, but I'm kind of happy where I am now. And it was one of the folks from, from headquarters, Dr. Walid Abdellati, um, and he said, you know, Tom, we're having problems getting people to come out and interview for this. We want to make sure we're showing uh, the agency, NASA, that there's interest in this kind of mission. And I would take it as a, a personal favor if you'd come down for a day or two and just meet with people and, and talk to folks. Uh, and Waleed had uh, had supported me early on. I said, you know, Walid, no problem. For you, I'll totally come down. <laughs> it was just up the road in Vermont. It's an yeah. easy flight. Uh, I came down and, and met with people and just found it. Fascinating! All of the just the breadth of work happening there. There's experts in in pretty much any field you can imagine, uh, including ice. And uh, yeah, I started six months later, and I haven't left. Is this a different type
1: of, of mission for NASA? In the fact that you know a lot of the things traditionally that NASA has always done is very future, mm. you know, centric. Mm-hmm. Um, what will our or what will our lives be years from now? Um, this is almost real-time triage on what's going on on our planet here.
2: Yeah, it, it kind of is. The The mission that I came to work on is called ICESat-2, and it uses lasers in space to measure the height of everything. And in, in that NASA way, instead of repeating the technology that we used on ICESat with maybe some small tweaks, ICESat-2 is totally different. It's using, and it, it almost sounds space-age uh, and, and unbelievable, but it uses individual photons sent from the satellite bounces them off the surface of the earth times uh, to better than a billionth of a second how long they take to come back, detects those individual photons, the smallest pieces of light, uh, and uses that. We use that to measure the height of glaciers and ice sheets and sea ice and forests and oceans and lands. Uh, And by repeating those measurements through time, you can watch and measure how are these things changing.
1: So how how long is that Project
2: been underway right now because that that presents you a body of evidence yeah it it does Um, I began working on ISAT 2 in 2009 Mm -hmm. and we successfully launched in September of 2018 Mm -hmm. Uh, it turns out that measuring individual photons uh, ten thousand times a second in each of six laser beams and timing them to better than a billionth of a second and keeping it all sorted it's tricky who would who would have thought right um, so the engineering that goes into these missions is just astounding. Keep it, in
1: mind, keep in mind, you're sitting across this photo who has trouble balancing their checkbook
2: every month. So <laughs> Hey, I'm right there with uh, you. I'll, I'll take your word on,
1: on how complicated that is, but it sounds
2: baffling. It's, it's unbelievable. The folks that I get to work with are just are so clever. And the, the end result that you come out with is something that anybody can understand. It's the height at a particular place at a particular time, and by measuring that, height again and again and again, you can say, well, did it get taller or did it get shorter? Uh, Do we have more ice? Do we have less ice? Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the height of this, that, or the other? Whatever you're interested in. My joke always being that uh, the first thing I wanted to do was measure the height of my mom's house and Mm -hmm. also monitor whether people are cutting their lawn.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, Mm -hmm. in the the, the end of the day too, what this is is, you know, a lot of times in political arguments people say, well, everybody's entitled to their opinion and but there is this also corollary that goes along with that is that you're not entitled to your own facts That's right and, and a project like this
2: mm. these are facts they, they are and as the technology has gotten better and better uh, on uh, satellites and observations what we end up doing is having uh, more and more accurate data that reduces the uncertainties mm. early on we had some sense of this or that changing, but as you have new measurements and better measurements, you can say with more and more certainty, Greenland is losing mass at this rate, at this time, and this is what it used to be, and this is what it is now. And and you're right, they're, they're facts, and the uncertainties on those get smaller and smaller through time.
1: Our, our guest has been uh, Tom Newman. He is a scientist with NASA. He specializes in uh, studying uh, climate change, and in particular, um, Arctic ice loss, uh, which is a, a very a major issue uh, when we uh, talk about this subject. Uh, Tom, if people wanted to go online and find out more mm.
2: uh, about some of
1: the work you're doing, how, how could they do that?
2: So like most other uh, places, we're on social media. All right. We are at NASA underscore ice. We have teams in the field this week up in Greenland, a group from Uh, From Goddard, Operation IceBridge, and another team from JPL, the Oceans Melting Greenland, or OMG Project. They're not secretly there to buy Greenland for the United States, are they? (laughs) You know, I don't think that fits in NASA's budget.
1: (laughs) Would you you tell us if they were? (laughs) All right. Well, we'll have breaking news on that if NASA comes back and they've purchased uh, uh, Greenland. Tom Newman, we appreciate your
2: time. Hey, thanks very much for having me
1: great discussion and we thank you as well for taking time out of your day uh, to join us on the on the hill podcast from the studios of fox 5 in washington dc that's it for this time we'll see you next time on the hill
0: Ven a JCPenney y termina tus compras navideñas con brillantes descuentos como hasta 70% en joyería después del cupón. Además tenemos velas, mantas suavecitas y más desde 7.99 dollars y miles de doorbusters en marcas como Adidas, Champion, Disney y Carters. Recoge tu pedido el mismo día. Es rápido y gratis. Estará listo en dos horas o menos hasta las 3 p.m. en Uchebuena. JCPenney. Celebraciones que valen la pena. Ofertas válidas hasta el 24 de diciembre en selección de estilos. Aplican exclusiones. Doorbusters se de los cupones. Detalles en la tienda JCP.com.